Okay, now, stand please. <laughs> We're going to read uh, a passage of scripture, a story. Um, the person being referred to here is Elijah. Uh, drought had been going on in the land, and this is the story. Sometime later, the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. Then the word of the Lord came to him. Go at once to Zarephath in the region of Sidon and stay there. I have directed a widow there to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath. When he came to the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. He called to her and asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? As she was going to get it, he called, and bring me, please, a piece of bread. As surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread, only a handful of flour in a jar and a little olive oil in a jug. I am gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. Elijah said to her, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small loaf of bread for me for what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the land. She went away and did as Elijah had told her. So there was food every day for Elijah and for the woman and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up, and the jug of oil did not run dry, in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. Father, I thank you for your word I thank you for the life that is in your word, the light that is in your word. I pray for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place that you would, that you would give us ears to hear, eyes to see, hearts to understand. Quicken us, Lord God, to what you want to do to call us higher. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, I have a businessman friend, um, some of you know him. Uh, many of you don't. I'm not going to mention any names. If you know him, you'll know who I'm talking about before long. Uh, and he's had his share of ups and downs, as let me say. I mean, when, he's, when it's been flying high, it's been flying high. And when it's been flying low, ooh, boy, uh, I've seen him walk through some serious battles and some serious valleys. And when he's in the midst of a, of a down, when he's in the midst of a battle, um, his way of going to war is he goes to he, he gives his way out of the situation. Talk about counterintuitive. I mean, seriously, he, he just, uh, I, I don't know. I mean, he obviously, well, I say he obviously can't, but sometimes he does. I mean, he gives more when he doesn't have than he does when he does, when he's got, you know, a lot. And, you know, all I can say is it's worked for him. I mean, over the years, uh, I mean, he's got more toys than any Ten, 10 of us put together. Uh, it, it's absolutely worked for him, but uh, God apparently can trust him with stuff because if it needs to be given, he'll give. 
All the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, uh, record a story of a rich young man who came to Jesus. And, and you likely already know the story. He came to Jesus with a question. So what must I do to inherit eternal life? And if you've been here very long and have ever heard me address this, eternal life is not eternal existence. That's a component of it. But eternal life is the quality of life that God, that God has. What, what must I do to raise the quality of life that I have? The righteousness, the peace, the joy, the, the creativity, the freedom, uh, the things in my life that I know there's more than what I've got. And Jesus tells him, well, keep the commandments. Uh, and the young man <laughs> goes, well, which ones? You know, and how about all of them? But uh, Jesus enumerates a few. He says, you know, don't commit adultery. Don't, don't steal. Love your neighbor. And, um, and the young man says, well, I, I've done all that. Done all that. And so, something is clearly still missing. See, commandment, commandments are good. I'm not by any means saying commandments aren't. They're, they're really good, but they can only take you so far. Uh, they, they can only get you so far down the road. Commandments protect us. It, you know, if you, if you keep the commandments, there's a whole bunch of mistakes you won't make in life. There's a whole bunch of bad stuff that can happen to you in life that won't happen if you'll keep the commandments that God has given. Uh, but, they, but they can't get you all the way there. And so here's a young man who, who goes, well, I've done all that, but what's missing? And, and Jesus tells him, well, okay, sell everything that you've got and give it to the poor and then come and follow me. Don't you just love that? Uh, our first reaction to, to hearing that uh, is to be shocked at, the, at the, the notion of selling everything that we have and giving it to the poor and coming and following Jesus. I don't know about you, but that, that rattles my cage. I, I, you know, I'm concerned that he might be talking to me. Yeah. I only know one person who's ever done that, uh, but I do know one. There's a guy named Bob Huey. And I say one, he and his wife together, Bob and Peggy. Bob, uh, before Bob got saved, he was, he was a climber. I mean, he, he had all the stuff, all the toys. He had, the, you know, he had the, the Corvette. He had the swimming pool. He had the big house and everything. And he got saved and he got radical. And he really felt like God told him, sell everything and give it to the... I mean, he read that thing and went, that is me. And, and he did it. And he and Peggy went and lived on the beach for, uh, and not in the condo by the beach. I mean, on the beach uh, for uh, months, if not years. And I, you know, I'm not sure exactly how 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 they made it, but they made it. And boy, did they have an exciting life. Bob's gone on to be with the Lord now. I, I, Peggy may have as well. I, I don't know, but I know Bob has. And uh, Boy, did they have an exciting life when back in the 80s, in the mid-80s, when Margaret and I were living in Zimbabwe, uh, one day she looked up. Well, actually, I got a call from her, uh, which is kind of interesting. You know, not only did we not have cell phones, I mean, you, you know, it was kind of like, uh, Baba, there's a call for you at the office. And so, I, you know, I went to the office to, to get the call. I got a call from her. And she goes, I just looked up and Bob and Peggy Hewitt are at the end of our, uh, of our driveway. You know, they came to have tea. 
Oh, okay, of course they did. You never knew where Bob and Peggy Huey were going to show up. But he's the only person I know who's ever ever actually done that. Uh, You see what was happening here and what had happened in Bob's life. Well, actually, first of all, let me, let me just turn it, because like I say, we get shocked by, wow, sell everything you give to the poor. Look what was being offered in return. The chance to hang out all day, every day with Jesus Christ. I mean, the Jesus Christ. Jesus of Nazareth. That's which we have looked at, which we have heard, which we have touched and our hands have handled. This we proclaim to you concerning the world. That was what what he was being offered. How much does that cost? I mean, you know, what would you give to be able to do that? And what what Jesus was doing here and and, uh, and what uh, what he had done in Bob's life was Jesus had had put his finger on the thing that was holding him back. See, he turned it down. He didn't didn't take that offer because he had so much stuff. Actually, so much stuff had him that he was not willing to go, oh, I can give that up to live with Jesus all the time. Maybe he didn't know who Jesus was going to become who his followers were going to become. Maybe we don't know what God has in store for us if we're willing to do that. This one hurts. I mean, this, this one, uh, this is not one of those passages that I, that I read with pleasure because I have a sneaking suspicion that he is talking about me. I have a sneaking suspicion that, you know, I just might be you know, is he asking me to do that? Well, Jesus, what Jesus was doing was he was touching on the, the one area in this young man's life that had the strongest grip, a stronghold on him. See, the young man had come and said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus goes, that. That's what's holding you back. Paul says over in 2 Corinthians 10.4 that the weapons we fight with are not the weapons that the world uses. The weapons that we fight with are are divine. They have divine power to demolish strongholds. That's that's what they do. I mean, this series is about this is how we fight our battles. One of the weapons that God has, has ordained in our lives to demolish strongholds is giving. And the key of demolishing the stronghold in this man's life was simple. Now, it wasn't easy, but it's simple. Give it away. That, that thing that's got you, give it away. In his case, it was, it was stuff. It was, it, was, it was money. That's not what it always is, but for almost all of us, there's something that's got us, and probably right now, the Holy Spirit has brought it to your attention, and you're kind of going, oh, let's not talk about that, please. The story, like I said, makes us uncomfortable. We suspect it's about us, and we should be uncomfortable. But clearly, Jesus is not saying that everyone should sell everything that they have to give to the poor. Because, very honestly, if everyone sells everything they have, who's going to buy anything? So that's not really what he's saying. But he is saying that to give 
is the solution to some of the areas in our life that have us by the throat and are holding us back, keeping us from moving forward. Um, Kevin was sharing a few weeks ago about forgiveness. You know, he had the basketball and everything, and he, and he, and he put it down. And he said, forgiveness enables you to move on. Yeah. Well, that's what this does as well. It enables us to move on. And it's a powerful weapon. Now, we're not just talking about spiritual things, though. We're, uh, although an argument could be made that everything is spiritual. But day to day, these weapons are not just limited to spiritual things. It has very practical applications as well. Sometimes our battles involve actual physical needs in our life. That You, know, you just kind of go, well, everybody, everybody needs that. And there are a few physical needs that are more fundamental than food. And I'm not talking about, you know, well, I've got a refrigerator full of stuff, but there's nothing in there that I want. That, you know, that, that's ice cream, but that isn't that kind of ice cream. Yeah. I'm talking about food, needing food to, to live, to subsist. And, and, uh, and the widow of Zarephath and her son were near the point of starvation. And this wasn't just a matter of uh, of, of not having what they wanted to eat. It really wasn't necessarily just a matter of uh, not having the money to buy it. There was no food. Famine. Drought had brought famine in the land, and there was no food. And, and when there's very little food, guess who's the last ones to get it? The poor. So, you know, that's the situation that they were in. And Elijah's request was modest, but on the surface, it seemed cruel. Yeah. It, it kind of sounded like sell everything you have and give to the poor and then come be with me. Yeah, it, it seemed kind of ridiculous on the surface, but it was really the way forward. It was, it was the way to not starve. It was the way to continue to survive. Uh, and so the provision that came, was it miraculous? I, I don't know. We, we don't know. Uh, when I was, when I was uh, younger, I thought that it was because of the sermons that I heard. Uh, you know, they, they, I, I, every time I'd hear this preached on, you know, it would be basically, and that widow made that loaf of bread and she took it to the prophet. And then she went back the next morning and there was more oil there and there was more flour there and she made some more food. And the next morning she went back and there was some more oil and some more flour. Can I get a hallelujah? And, and they would, you know, I mean, it was, yeah, miraculous. But I don't know that it happened that way. You know, maybe it was... Uh, Maybe it was a meal train. Maybe God laid it on somebody's heart and said, you know, you need to go take a meal to, to Sister Zarephath over there and her son. And she got some company too, so just put a little extra in there you know, for that. Maybe it was a grocery delivery. Maybe it was, you know, you get up and walk out and go, well, what is this? There's food on my... That happens. You, uh, you've, if you've been here very long, you've heard me mention Kenneth Ware, and he, uh, he's one of, my, one of my spiritual heroes. And he, he was a missionary to the, to the gypsies in France back in the early and middle part of the 20th century, and he was there uh, during World War II. One of the, one of the stories that my pastor um, used to love to tell about Kenneth Ware 
And, and Brother Ware confirmed it when, when he came to the, to the church, was uh, during, during World War II, uh, he and his wife lived in, a, in a, an apartment, a ground floor apartment at, at, the, at the end of a, of a dead end of a blind alley. Uh, you know, it was an alley, it's as far as you can go. And uh, his wife came to him one day and she had uh, her coat and she had a piece of paper and he said, where are you going? And she said, I'm going to buy groceries. This is my grocery list. And he said, well, you can't do that. And she says, why not? And he says, I gave away our money. She goes, okay. Uh, it takes a special kind of woman to be married to a man like Kenneth Ware. Uh, and so she went and uh, prayed, and uh, Brother Ware was studying, and he heard a knock at the door, and he goes and opens the door, and there's a young man there with, with a couple of bags of groceries, and, uh, and he says, uh, I have a delivery for you. And, he said, and Brother Ware said, uh, you must be mistaken. Uh, we haven't ordered any groceries. Uh, and his wife goes, I did. <laughs> and uh, the young man says, yes, this is the warehouse. Yes, well, these are these, the warehouse. That's <laughs> <laughs> the, the, these are for you. Yeah, it just hit me. These are for you. And, uh, and so he, he closed the door. And, and like I say, it was a blind alley, so the guy couldn't go that way. And Brother Ware looks out the window, and nobody goes back. Yeah, it's just food. So that could happen. maybe that happened to the maybe that happened to the widow of Zarephath. That's as good as and she went the next morning and there was I mean both of those are hallelujah right. So is a meal train. However, it happened. It happened. And whatever it was, it would not have happened if she hadn't been willing to give. Well, what guarantee did she have? Well, how about this? This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. This is His Word. Let me, let me, let me say one, one thing uh, to you. I, I, just, I feel like I'm supposed to say this today. Uh, something the Lord just put on me last night. I went, I need, I'm supposed to say this today. If you receive a word, a personal word, I'm not talking about you know uh, a, a general word that you can, maybe that's for you, maybe it's not. But I mean, if you get a, this is the word of the Lord for you, and it brings confusion rather than clarity, forget about it. It's just somebody talking. It's not God. When God's word comes, it brings clarity. Hey, go to Zarephath. I've got a widow there who's going to feed you for the next, for the next period of time. That's, where he's, that's a pretty clear word. Make a little, uh, make a little loaf for me and, and bring it to me first and the oil won't run dry and the meal won't run. That's a clear word. You know, and sometimes it's you are the man. <laughs> and, you know, and if you hear, or the woman, and if you hear that, you will immediately know. You won't have to go, well, what are you talking about? No, you will immediately know what they're talking about. Anyway, speaking of what we're talking about, okay, let's go there. <laughs> Money and tithing. <laughs> I, I tithe. It, 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 it's, it's a great gift my parents gave to me. I mean, really, it, it, it is. Uh, I understand how daunting it can be for those who weren't raised to do that, for those who weren't raised and, and, and just instructed in that as a child. 
uh, don't, don't have the upbringing I had. And, and I'm not being condescending. I mean, we didn't, have, we didn't have a lot of money. I didn't know we didn't have a lot of money. Of course I didn't. I was a, I was a kid. Uh, you know, and, uh, we always had indoor plumbing, but I certainly spent a good amount of time in places that didn't have indoor plumbing. And, uh, but I had a great upbringing. But we live in such a materialistic um, culture that things, it can be hard. It can be real hard to let go of things. And, and I, you know, when I was a little child, I wish I'd learned a foreign language. Uh, uh, the, um, I took French in college, and uh, I failed. Uh, only, uh, well, I was going to say it's the only class that I, that I failed. It's the only, let's not even talk about that. Uh, yeah, but um, I tried to explain it in the first service, and no, there's just no point. But anyway, uh, if I'd learned it, you know, as a little kid, I think I'd probably been, you know, pretty good learning both of those coming up. It's the same with tithing. You know, I mean, I learned I didn't learn, they didn't teach me a foreign language, but they taught me to tithe. And, you know, just growing up, it's just, it's what, it's what, what you do. Uh, and I don't judge. I don't judge those who don't tithe. I, I, uh, quarterly, I'll review the giving reports. I didn't used to look at them at all. For years I didn't. And then the Lord convicted me and said, you know, I've, I've put you over this flock and you need to know what the condition of your flock is. And this is one way that you know that. But I will say this, there are, there are occasions, you know, when I'll see a name and an amount and I'll be somewhat disappointed, but there are more occasions when I'll see a name and an amount and I'll go, wow, wow. And it may not necessarily be a big amount, but I know the condition of that, that person's situation. You know, I kind of, I know, it, you know, I mean, I, we got widows of Zarephath uh, around and it just, it humbles me and blesses my my soul, my heart, and even for the ones that I feel disappointed in, there's this great big anonymous category called cash, and I just go, well, God, that's between you and them. You know, maybe that's, maybe that's where they are. That's fine. Uh, but here are three things that I know. Three things, and, and you need to know them. Uh, the first one is money is a barometer. Uh, it is one of the most clear-cut spiritual indicators in existence. It is the GPS for where our heart is. Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be. Uh, and it's not really a barometer so much for me to look at. It's a barometer. Well, I look at it for me. You know, I'll look at it and go, uh, there was a time, I guess probably 25 years ago here, when I got to the end of the year, started filling out my taxes, got, got our giving, and I thought I'd, you know, we'd given a pretty good amount, but I looked at it and, and was just convicted and went, no, I mean, if I'm supposed to set an example, that's not the example I want to set. Yeah, got to do better than that. So it's a barometer, it's a barometer for me. Uh, and it isn't about how much you have. It's about how faithful you are. Jesus says, you know, whoever's, whoever's faithful with a little can be trusted with much. You know, not everyone can handle financial wealth. To, to be honest, I mean, I've, it would not do for me to be a billionaire because there's just too much trouble you can get in as a billionaire. And I would get in a lot of it. And so, you know, You better watch it, Fred, because I, <laughs> I can. 
Uh, but, it, but anyway, it's, it's a barometer. The second thing is this. Our financial problems are not caused because we give too much. Now, that's good. Is anybody over here listening? I mean, I'm, I'm hearing them. Our financial problems are not caused because we give too much. Uh, sometimes there are circumstances beyond our control. There are things that happen. Jobs get lost, sickness and um, unforeseen circumstances come along. But most of our financial problems are caused because we lack self-control. The fruit of the Spirit, self-control, also known as spending. That's, that's, what, that's what creates them. Giving is never really the problem. In fact, it says over in Proverbs, one person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly and comes to poverty. So that isn't the problem. And the third thing that I know is this. Uh, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. You know, where, to, you know, where to even start? <laughs> Uh, because there's so much in Scripture about, about that. There's a lot more than just Malachi 3.10, but, but let's, let's go there. You, you've, you've, you've heard it. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse so that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. You know, and, and uh, you hear this, and, you, and sometimes I'll hear people, basically their attitude is kind of, is that all you got? You know, and I kind of think, what's missing? You know, what, 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 am I, what am I missing here about what's missing there? Uh, and, and, you know, and then it'd be, well, that's Old Testament, Okay, well, all right, uh, let's, let's do something from the New Testament. This will be the last one I'll do. Matthew 6, do not worry. What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? The pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all of these things will be given to you as well. You might say, well, that's not about tithing. That doesn't even say tithing. Maybe not, but it's about trusting God completely. Which is the, the reason why most people who don't tithe, don't tithe. Because they're not able to get to that point where I trust God. I, I trust God. And begin to walk in that freedom. But of course, this is about more than money. Giving is about so much more than money. In fact, uh, money may be one of the least important things other than the fact that, it's, that it is a, a barometer. I mean, the barometer is not as important as the weather, okay? Uh, money is, 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 is the barometer. Uh, it's a pretty accurate measure of our willingness to give. God is a giver. First, our Father is a giver. The first thing that we learn about Him in Scripture is that He's a creator. He created the heaven and earth. Once something got created, the next thing we find out about Him is He's a giver. He, he didn't create it just to, just to hold on. He, he, he gave us. He gave us this. He gave us this, this world, this planet, 
And boy, we've done a really great job with it, haven't we? But, uh, but, he, but he gave, gave us the garden, gave us, gave us life. He gives. God had a problem. I mean, that's a mind-blowing thought right there. God had a problem. Yeah, he had a problem. Us. Us. Sin. There's a problem. And his solution was to give. God loved us so much that he gave. Gave his one and only son. Whoever believes on him should not perish but have everlasting life. See, the enemy's approach to life is, is to look inward. I think I mentioned this last week. It's, it's to look inward, but the corollary to that, to looking inward, is to grasp and accumulate and hold on to and store. That's the corollary. God's approach is to look outward, and the corollary is to give, is generosity. It's freedom. Freely you have received, freely give. Give of your resources, give of your energy, give of your time, give of your forgiveness, give of your mercy, give of your love, give of yourself. Whatever the battle is in your life presently, and for many of the battles that you will face in the future, you may well need to consider that the weapon that's needed to win this one is giving. It may be something that I need to give to move on. What must I do to inherit eternal life?